when business owners deal with business problems, it often spills into their personal boundaries. Is this really true for most people, or does that mean that you just don't have clear boundaries and that you're not maintaining them? Well, in this episode, my guest is going to talk all about personal boundaries versus business boundaries and how they influence one another, if at all. But you know the drill. If you want to hear what he has to say, you're going to have to stick around to find out. Welcome to Waste Up Wardrobe. I'm Christine Vartanian, an attorney turned personal style expert and image consultant. As the founder of Jade House of Style, I am passionate about unveiling the inner confidence of my clients by developing their personal style and dressing them for success. But is getting dressed up still important in our virtual world? Well, that's where my experience can help with what I call Waste Up Wardrobe. Waste Up Wardrobe is a podcast for all things you need to conduct an outstanding Zoom meeting. It's about how to dress for the camera, but it's not just about the clothes. It's about everything you need to know to show up on brand and professionally for the camera. Join me in the Waste Up Wardrobe studio to discuss how to navigate this virtual world and dominate from behind the desk. Good morning, Waste Up Wardrobe Nation. Thank you for being at another episode of Waste Up Wardrobe. And as you know, we try to bring you entrepreneurial topics that are beneficial for all, all business owners. So Waste Up Wardrobe is not just about how to show up professionally on camera, but it's also about how to show up as the best business owner, entrepreneur who you are. And we know that a lot goes into that. That's a multidimensional task. It, it involves your mindset, it involves how you conduct business and everything else that goes into your brand. So today we have a very special guest who's going to help us problem solve a little bit when it comes to our boundaries between our personal problems and our business problems. But before I get started, I want to say a very special thank you to Rick Moscoso, who is my producer, who makes this entire show possible. There he is peeking out his avatar saying hello. And um, he is the one who's responsible for making this show uh, go off without a hitch and be completely seamless. So thank you for doing that for us, Rick. And uh, thank you to your audience for always joining us and commenting and letting us know what you think, if you have any input, if having a dialogue with us or have any questions. We love to have the show live because we want that dialogue going on between us and everybody out there. So Today's guest, Tom Adams. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He is an executive coach, a strategic advisor, and trusted consultant to entrepreneurs, executives, and organizations around the world. He's been at this for almost 20 years, so he's got a little bit of experience. He also owns a boutique web marketing agency and publishing imprint. Prior to this, he built a multi-store menswear chain and then a record store storage and shredding company. Wow, that is going to be interesting to unpack. Between those two entrepreneurial adventures, he was on the professional speaking circuit for almost 10 years. And during that period, he produced and hosted two business television series. He's written a book called You Are the Logo and had a three-year podcast series. And he got his professional start, believe it or not, as a church minister in the late 1980s before he left to become the entrepreneur that he is today. So please help me welcome Tom Adams. Hi, Tom. How are you today? Hi, Christine. Really nice to be with you today. 
Yes, I am actually looking forward to such a great conversation because I like just reading your bio, knowing how diverse your background is. I feel as though there's going to be so much juice to squeeze out of. Oh, <laughs> lots of juice, lots yeah. of good juice, and we we have this. We share this interesting connection with uh, fashion. Yes. We're going to get into that too, because I was like, oh, menswear boutique. Okay. I've got to, I've got to talk about that. So before we, uh, we get started on these shows, when we have guests, Tom, we like to get to know the guests a little bit more. So we ask a little bit, maybe some personal problem, not personal problems. I'll tell you them. <laughs> personal questions that will give us a little window and insight into who you are um, as an everyday guy. How about yep. that? I, yeah. Yes. Okay. So if I were to add, they're just, this and that question, just answer. And if there's anything you needed to add to it, go ahead. Cats or dogs? Uh, neither, but I feel an affinity to cats. Interesting. And yeah, you I feel like there's a, there's a, there's some kind of energy to cats that I'm more aligned with. Very interesting. That is, you know, most people are either cat people or dog people. And so I can see that. Okay. Speaking or writing? Speaking a hundred times. Why? Uh, I would much rather I would much rather be on a stage in front of five thousand people than an empty page trying to fill it. Although I'm comfortable with that, but I love being in front of an audience. I feel like it's the one place in the universe that all of my senses are fully aligned. Very interesting. And so, let me ask you a follow up question to that: If you were speaking, would you rather speak to an audience full of experts or audience full of people that are wanting your advice, like the, the professional or people that are lay people that want advice on how to live life or be coached? Uh, oh, that's a really hard question because I feel like we're all in that spot, even the experts. The real experts are the ones who know they know nothing. And so they're the ones who want some of that advice that you said. So I feel like within your question is is a belief system that that um i've chosen not to believe that the experts somehow have it figured out i believe most experts don't have it figured out they're all just trying to figure their way out yeah i love that answer okay i'm finally going to ask you one more question got it if you had the choice to live somewhere on the either side of the border of the united states or canada where would you live Oh, that's a hard one because I happen to be both Canadian and American. Uh, I feel like my um, my heart home is Canada, but my business home is the U.S. And I've chosen at this point to live on the U.S. side looking into Canada. Yeah, but you your heart is kind of like in both places for different reasons. Different reasons, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very much so. My family's all in Canada. My, um, my enterprise is all in the U.S. My, my life is in the U.S. But um, they're, they're both deeply interconnected. I live at, at the border. I'm five minutes from a major border crossing. I cross back and forth like I live in both countries. I just happen to live on the U.S. side. That is so cool to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, that I've, I think... It's just such a different world perspective, right? You live on the border of two countries. You can yes. go here or there. It's yeah. quite interesting. Anyway. I, I also think it's indicative of this life that I've led. Yeah. It has a uh, metaphor. It's a deep metaphor for me. Yeah. 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 Well, we will probably get into that as we continue talking. Thank you. Thank you for uh, appeasing me and answering some oh, love it. very personal questions. Love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So, you know, you are an, um, an executive coach. You coach people in high level executive position CEOs, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I've noticed I was like, as we read your bio, of course, you went from being a church minister and then had a menswear business and then TV producer, and then you speak and you've published author and my goodness, multidimensional, which I love because I think in life, like we can do all these things in different areas, but can you tell us a little bit about your journey? And I just want to point out that Susie Hickson is here and she's saying hello. Hi, and Susie. is going to love this conversation because she's a dynamic uh, business owner, entrepreneur, and lawyer. So, okay. So tell me what your, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I, I would say my journey is somewhat unexpected. I, I think early on, um, I, was the, uh, I was the son of a, a minister who was the son of a minister. And part of that the dilemma in being the eldest son of the eldest son of the eldest son in that kind of profession is there's a there's often a built-in expectation that you're going to follow suit that you're going to be part of the package and uh, and so that was the early that was the early sense that I was getting and yet somehow once I got into it something about it just didn't feel like it fit and I had a couple of I had a couple of kicks at the can but somewhere in that uh, I remember back in the day, I was supposed to be reading theology books and I was reading Tom Peters' book, Pursuit of Wow. And something about Pursuit of Wow was the thing that was calling me more than the theological position I needed to be espousing in front of a group of people who were already predisposed to that belief system. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think for me, it was really, it was recognizing that that was the place I was starting and where I went from that uh, early on felt like it was more a just the the way the world or the universe pulled me um i it wasn't something that i was thinking about it was like well what's the next step when i left ministry i went well my other grandfather my mom's father had a menswear store growing up and i went well i grew up in around a menswear store i might as well go go to a menswear store and within within about six months of in the menswear store uh, i was asked by somebody else to come and help build a brand new chain of menswear stores and so we built that one and that one grew and it was incredible it was so much fun it was a beautiful ride and then it blew up we completely busticated that one uh, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that but i went through a whole process of like completely blowing up my life um, we went bankrupt with the whole thing unfolded. And then I went, well, where do I go from here? And I went, well, you know, back when I was a preacher, I did pretty good at speaking. So I went, well, can I go and speak somewhere? Because I actually used to go and speak as a way to market our menswear company. And uh, I would speak not so much about clothing, but I would speak about what I learned running a clothing business. And people would go, man, that's really good. Can you come and speak to our our group? And so I had a lot of speaking engagements that I learned in the ministry profession because I learned how to speak there. Uh, I used it in the, um, in the menswear field. And then I went, well, I'm going to go on the speaking circuit. And I've had the incredible luxury of, of speaking at um, at Aborigine medical centers in the outback of Australia. I've toured all through Europe. I've toured through all through the US and Canada and been privileged to share just stuff I've known and um, how that emerged. I didn't, I didn't have a plan for that. It just was like, well, what else can I do? And in the middle of that, I went, well, I, there's this TV station down the road and I don't like their programming. So I went to them one day and I said, could you help me get a show on the air? And they went, yeah, sure. 
like, what's your thing? We can't pay you, but if you want to do a show, we need we need content. And I built this show called Adams and Company, which was uh, profiling world class, fast and funky companies and the people that made them that way. And um, that kind of evolved and emerged, and that became this really cool experience. And then um, then I started getting asked to consult, and you know, and then the thing kind of unfolds, and then. At about around 20 years ago, I went, hmm, I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> There's yeah. this interesting pattern in me. And to me, the pattern was curiosity uh, led me to be a seeker. So um, what I'm curious about that. How does that work? How does that operate? How does that person think? What's the, what's the underlying belief system that they run from? And that seeking led me to get some insights. And I had this predisposition. I don't know what's based on my ministry history or what it was, but if, if I'm going to learn something, the best way to be a good citizen is to share that learning, to not hoard it, to not hang on to it, but to give yeah. it away. And yeah. so my early business cards used to say seeker and share. That's what my business card said. And so that's kind of been the life. And, and if I were to put a thread through it, I don't know if you ever saw Steve Jobs Stanford speech where he talks about you don't know where you're going but when you look backwards you see all of the the dots connecting somehow and to me the dot is curiosity and then a desire to help people flourish and that's really the thing I think that ties it all together and has really been the catalyst for my life in many ways yeah well, it's been a fascinating scenic route to where you are today. That's how I like to term it because I've had oh. my own personal scenic route to what I'm doing today. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, I, I think people who are inquisitive, curious, mm -hmm. um, and are fascinated by human psychology and the way people think, which I identify that way, yeah. um, find themselves you know, wanting to help in different arenas and they really have a lot of interests. And I think that the core, like you said, that there, there has to be sort of a common thread yeah. and it is about um, just giving the best you can and leaving a legacy in the world. So I, 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 I completely resonate with that. In fact, when I read that, I was like, yeah, I, I, Tom and I are going to hit it off. We are. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're a kindred spirit. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you've described the common thread, the commonality of that. Um, and, and your journey is quite fascinating. Uh, you talk a lot about, you know, business problems versus personal problems when people are dealing with that. So how do you, what is the interrelation between them in your mind? And how do you um, coach your clients on that? Yeah, I, I would start with um, there is an interrelation, but I start with the, pre the and it, and it's a it's not a rule. It's just a observation that I've made is that a lot of business problems are actually personal problems in disguise. Yeah. Uh, so there if, if there's a business problem that is sitting in your world, uh, often behind that is a leader's a personal problem that hasn't clearly been worked out. So the symptom is this problem in the business. Uh, the underlying condition is something that a leader, uh, whether it be a CEO, a manager, uh, a supervisor, uh, or even a coworker, there's something going on internally that's driving that symptom. And a lot of times what historically in business, what's happened is that you know, we hire consultants, we hire experts, and they come in and they try and solve that problem through a series of interventions. And when it doesn't go away, uh, 
because it hasn't, it's actually dealing with the symptom and not the root cause, which is a personal problem in disguise, it, it, it never gets resolved. And so a lot of times uh, in the last 20 years, I often get called in after people have you know, quit figuring it. They, they don't see a resolution. And so I come in and my premise is, let show me the symptom, show me the business problem. But what I'm interested in is how are you as a leader creating that symptom or what's what's going on in you that actually imp, uh, influences that symptom and causes it to bubble up, to recur, uh, to never go away, to kind of hide for a while, but come back and you fix things externally, but you don't fix things internally and it festers. And so to me, um, the, the unique work I do, it's not to say that business problems don't infect personal problems. It's not to say that they don't influence personal problems, but my, my work is more the other way, which is if you've got a business problem, let's go back to you as a CEO, as a leader, as a owner, as a startup, as an entrepreneur, and go, what's going on in you that's causing this business problem to occur? And I'm, I'm happy to give you some um, examples of that if that would be helpful. Well, you are you you beat me to it because my next question was going to be I learn best through examples. I love the theory yep. and the metaphor you gave, but can you give us an example of a situation like yes. that? Yes. So, I told you already as part of my story, I built a chain of menswear stores, we built eight stores, it was a multi-million dollar enterprise, and then we blew it up. And we blew it up because while well, at the time everything was about well, the conditions of the economy and all this kind of stuff, but after the fact, as it was as it was kind of imploding, I sat down with um, uh, one of the leading uh, experts in Canada on retail. Uh, at the time, it's kind of like Men's Warehouse. If you you know Men's Warehouse, which is kind of like that ubiquitous store that has tons of suits in it, but we are kind of like that, uh, like that, but in a smaller scale. But the guy who built the, the equivalent of that in Canada, I sat down with him, and he took me under his wing, and he said. Uh, tell me how you think about this. And I said, I do this and this and this. And he goes, uh, you have this fundamentally wrong. You're thinking wrong about um, how to run retail from a financial perspective. You think it's about how beautiful that shirt is you put on the shelf. I think about, I am actually putting a $5 bill on that shelf and I have to I have to get rid of that $5 bill five times in order to create profit for my business. So at a very simple level, if you don't understand um, at an underlying uh, basis, uh, the knowledge about specific things in your business, that the impact is a business that doesn't run well financially, but at the core of that is an internal lack of knowledge about finance and how the basics of finance in a specific environment work. So that's a really simplistic example of it. But my lack of knowledge about financial matters became an impact in an enterprise that didn't have good financial systems in place. And somebody could come in and tell me, do this, do this, and do this. But ultimately, I didn't know how to make shifts to it because I didn't understand intuitively, internally, how to think financially about my business. I was thinking creatively about my business. And we had the most creative, interesting, cool stores. But financially, they were a wreck because we didn't understand that thing. So at a very basic level, a lot of times our knowledge creates the business problem, our lack yeah. of knowledge, yeah. our, our insights are wrong. And so we create that. But I think there's levels deeper than that. So 
Uh, I think then in terms of the next stage, which is uh, maybe I have a crappy culture, like maybe my team, there's there's not a good culture in my team. Um, and and when I come in and look at somebody's situation, I go, this, the culture seems weird and they brought all these cultural imprints in. But then what I discover is the CEO is emotionally immature, doesn't have emotional agility, right? Doesn't understand, okay, I'm angry right now. Many CEOs that I work with can't actually define the language or the emotion that they're experiencing at any given time. Well, if you can't do that, then what happens is that it gets expressed in your company. It goes underground in you, and somehow somebody in your company takes that on, which creates a funky culture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me because I've been thinking about this since I've read your bio and so forth. But I think I would love to think about, like when when I was first, um, you know, first read your bio and was thinking about this topic today, I was thinking more like personal dilemmas, challenges, like say somebody is, um, you know, going through a breakup, right. In their personal life and how that influences what their person, how they bring that into work. And then it influences how they act or how they behave or their emotional state. I was thinking more like if you have a, a um, an um, upper limit problem, like a limiting belief yeah. um, personally, like, you know, you feel like you can never be successful. You can never blah, 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 then bring it into the business and stunting it. That's one comment I want to make on what you just said. And because I want to talk about all this, the other thing is when you said blew up the company, I thought you meant you supersized it. No. But what you up is that it killed it. Blew, it. You burned it. You killed burned it. it. <laughs> Destroyed it. Blew it up in terms of it was this lovely little functioning thing and it exploded in a bad way, not in a good way. It was yeah. sorry, that that's bad terminology, but well, no, it, yeah, killed it. Yeah. I mean, I gathered that. I gathered that as you continue to talk, but I, I, you know, that was my first impression. So my question is, does, does what you're saying apply also to sort of the everyday personal problems, the, the things like, you know, somebody's dealing with a breakup, somebody's dealing with um, a child that is suffering or struggling and then, and the, how it reflects on their work. Does that still, is that part of this whole scenario? A hundred percent. I think it. there's similar principles underlying it. I think the impact is less, right? It's not, it's not that it's not impactful, but it's um, if I'm struggling with a thing today, like a day in, day out challenge, um, that can follow me into my business. Uh, and today it might impact me, but it might not be habitual enough to create major mm. problems in, in my world. Um, so it doesn't, it, it might create a, a momentary business issue, like a conflict with somebody, a challenge with a process. Um, but the kind that I tend to, to work more with are those habituated ones, mm. right? Is those, those deeper ones, because um, like, for instance, if a, a business has this unending level of drama in it, um, and there, it just never goes away. There seems to be drama at all costs. Um, one of the things I've discovered in a lot of companies is that the CEO has a serious ADHD, um, and I, I'll call it entrepreneurial ADHD. And 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 that I have to be cautious in using that term because it's a clinical term. So uh, contextually, I'm saying it as a way of thinking about something, which is 
Um, a lot of entrepreneurs um, are really good at seeing opportunities, but everything is an opportunity. Like everything that shows up is an op opportunity. And so as an entrepreneur, what your predisposition is, is look for the opportunity, look for the opportunity to create a new new thing. And so what, what ends up happening is entrepreneurs, because they um, are not clear on creating boundaries in themselves related to this entrepreneurial ADHD is they go try something, they go try something new. There's this other shiny object. And pretty soon what happens is they can't figure out why there's all this drama in their business because they've started so many things and their teams a lot of times are going, what are we doing now? Like, like what's coming next? Oh dear, what's happening with our CEO today? And what new thing are we gonna have to endure that we've got 20 of them sitting on the back burner that are, you know, we sort of have the remnants of them. They've, you know, it's new software, it's new ways of thinking, it's this new thing. There's always a new thing and they dread their owner or their CEO going to a conference because he, he comes, he or she comes back with a hundred new things and they're just overwhelmed by it. So there's this drama all the time unfolding. Um, another thing I see is, is um, is entrepreneurs who and and I, I'm trying to answer your question because a lot of times the the things that are the the morning issue um, have maybe an effect on my energy. It's these deeper ones that have an impact on the business systems, the way it operates. So um, one of the things I've seen many times over the years is uh, an, um, a lot of times a entrepreneur has a, uh, comes to me and says, people keep quitting, people keep leaving. Uh, it's a terrible, like, and it may be, it may be related to culture, but there's, there's something else going on because they've worked at the culture. They brought cultural consultants in. Um, but then what I discover when I spend long enough around the system and I understand the, um, the, um, the ecosystem that this entrepreneur lives in is the entrepreneur is occasionally using the company as a proxy for a therapist. Ah, interesting. So my company becomes this interesting place Ooh. that I place all my muckiness on as a way to solve my personal problems, right? Oh, like this business is supposed to fill this deep longing inside me. I got this deep longing to somehow achieve something and the business's job is to do that. But I'm, I'm like using the business as my therapist <laughs> and and then people go, I, I didn't sign up to be your therapist and I didn't sign up to deal with your trauma. I signed up to do something meaningful in the world. Um, and so what I tend to see is these things that that become insidious more than the, the sort of one-off challenges. It's not that those challenges don't matter and they don't have an impact, but they don't, they don't tend to take businesses out. Yeah, well, and, and that is, a really good distinction to make because you, what you're talking about is something that kind of becomes toxic and stays, yes. and stays and is a consistent, it's almost like a MO, a style yes. of, of act, acting. And until somebody is aware of that and right. gets some support to kind of shift that, um, it, it can actually be very toxic to the organization, right? Whether Massively. it is yeah, whether it's financial lack of savvy or um, just not, you know, un unloading on your team that isn't appropriate or things like that. Those are the things that can, you know, poison and, and destroy a business for sure. So I'm glad we clarified that because I was I was personally confused about it, but, but that's what I wanted to dig deep into. So, right. Right. you know, obviously. 
and it, sorry to, to it, it happens not just in big business. It happens in entrepreneurial business of one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there's the, there's, oh, my, my day is crappy today and it, it affects my energy today, but mm -hmm. there's deeper in that there's a uh, Brene Brown talks about shame a lot. Right. And it's interesting when shame comes to work, it's insidious. Yeah. Right. And that has an impact on entrepreneurs. So when I work with entrepreneurs, one of the things I find is uh, they often are unwilling to take challenges because shame is riding shotgun with them. Yeah. And so shame comes along for the ride. And when I talk about uh, how do you put yourself out in the world? How do you how do you create an imprint for yourself? Um, they're more they're more stuck on that sense of shame and unworthiness. And it's a really important topic, but it has a detrimental impact on the business. And yet it's not really a business problem. There's a really good service, a really good offering, a really good product, um, but it's stuck behind this shame that kind of is, is got control of the bus. And the, the bus is being driven by shame, not by, not by an entrepreneur who has managed that shame. So I wanted to, to ensure you made that that, that, that it was clear between those two, because when you're stuck, even as a, a solopreneur trying to do something, it's often this underlying stuff that nobody ever talks about. Let's, you know, we, we have all these solutions to solve our business problems. And yet when they don't get solved, there's generally something deeper going on. And it's yeah. usually personal in nature. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And so that's kind of what you have to target yes. in order to solve the bigger problem. Like you said, you call it the symptoms. So this is all really great. And I mean, we could have like multiple episodes, on this, but I want to talk a little bit about your book. Uh, you, uh, you are the logo is one of the books you've written. Um, you wrote it quite a while ago. I, I believe I read it 10 yeah. years ago. 10 years ago. Um, I really love the title. It resonates with me because as somebody who works with brands to really have their brand stand out, whether it's wardrobe or in um, on camera, or whatnot, I do believe that. I believe that statement. You are your walking logo. You yes. are your business, personal business card. So um, tell us about like the bullet points of that book or yeah. just the great like um, nuggets from there, because I'm curious. I'm also curious about the, the, the title of the book. Yeah, well, I, I think this, uh, that the, th the title of the book uh, really came out of my my understanding of things over time, sometimes from my successes and sometimes from my failure. But but what I recognized over time is that a lot of times people don't remember, especially as you're in a startup phase, that the younger you are in a business, they often don't remember the name of your company, but they remember you, right? So um, so I, I happen to own a web marketing company and it's still to this day, people don't remember the name of my company, but they know it's Tom's web business. <laughs> I don't even work in that business anymore. I have literally limited amounts to do with it other than I coach that team. They do all the work, they do all the, but people still refer to it as Tom's web company. Um, and, and so, but previous to that, I, I, in my, um, bio, I told you a little bit about, um, about working and building a menswear business. Uh, and one of the things a lot of people would do is traditional marketing. What I found worked extraordinarily well, and I mentioned this, is I would go and speak to business audience like Chamber of Commerce and those kind of meetings, but I never talked about clothing. I always talked about 
the lessons I was learning in that environment. And one of the things I started to discover is people would show up not because of the fact that I was talking about clothing, but I was talking about things that connected to them and they were stories. And so um, the evolution for me was recognizing that many of the businesses are in my early days of coaching, I tended to focus more on the marketing side of the equation and how to get yourself out in the world. And I built a web company at that point in time. But, but You Are the Logo became the thing that I started to realize was a lot of companies were doing the exact same thing as somebody else and they kept talking about the fact that they're different. But in reality, when you scratch beneath the surface, whether it be a shredding business or whether it be a, a janitorial business or a product business, a lot of times, um, I, I found it more service business oriented, um, the thing you were doing had zero difference in the world except you you were the only distinction yeah. and so if you could amplify that distinction such that you became the iconic magnetic uh logo for the business if you became the logo for the business all of a sudden interesting stuff starts to happen and so the book is really uh, a evolution of how to think about that concept which is how to see yourself as as the the essence of the brand, the uniqueness of the brand infecting your company, whether it be service or product with your unique story, the elements of your story, the things that matter to you, your values, those kind of things. And then what were the steps you could take to do that? And because it was 10 years ago, um, there was a specific set of steps that that seemed to make sense at the time. And it was writing and speaking and doing a lot of things that were very um I guess very pre-internet in you know early internet, um, but I I think there's some changes um, that that I would make at this point. But that's the essence of it, which is really can you find a way to do that in the world? Can you yeah. find a way to put yourself out there as opposed to trying to? And and I I've worked with people over the years who spent inordinate amount of time and energy on their logo and. And I get it when it's FedEx or one of those that have these really amazing logos, Apple, of these iconic logos. But for the average small company, and I'm talking small to mid-sized company, you know, uh, zero to 20 million, um, nobody cares about their logo. Frankly, nobody cares. They don't remember it. They don't think about it. It's not interesting to them, but they remember you and you're the connection to it all. Yeah, no, it, it, it's so true. You know, it's the it's the uniqueness that an individual brings because let's yes. face it, there's there are a lot of executive coaches out there, right? Hundred percent. A lot of uh, business owners that have this do the same thing or serve the same way, but how is what you offer different, right? So that makes yes. a lot of sense. And you, it has been ten years since the book, and so you you you, what would you supplement? if you had the opportunity to supplement it with anything or um, how, if you had an opportunity to write another addition to it, because now, you know, we have so much yes. more, right? We have AI, we have, and, and to be honest, like I still think writing and speaking and, um, and studying and learning and developing your skills are very foundational to a business owner. So I think that that, I think we just have better tools and more tools now. Yeah, and I and and I agree with you. I I think if I wrote it again and I would go back and and update it, the first thing I would say is um is platforms are ubiquitous. So it's understanding that a platform, there's multiple platforms. So um Dan Kennedy, a old-time marketing legend used to say understand uh the message, market and media match, right? So market, which is who's your target market? Uh, what's your message? And to me, that gets gets sort of 
push through who am I and what am I trying to do in the world? And then there's the media, which is the platform. And and so what you've got to understand is does the, the platform you use connect to the market that you're serving using this unique message that is you? And so, um, you know, I, I have found over time that, um, that while early on I did a lot of speaking, my speaking business, um, not because I don't do it, but I don't have to do it as much because I have platforms. So I, I use a lot of YouTube videos. I, I send a lot of YouTube videos out in the world. Um, I do podcasts and I have found over time that if I'm podcasting, I'm in front of people a lot, right? When I'm doing my own podcast, even as the host, yeah. uh, I'm in front of my audience on a regular basis and that creates connection and creates opportunity. But what I find with some people is, is even with a you are the logo concept, they try and be everywhere to everybody, everything to everybody. And they're on TikTok and Instagram and they're in every platform. The problem is they're on a platform that doesn't match their message or their media. Really? And so those don't align. And so there's this sense of uh, um, lack of alignment. And when, when there's lack of alignment, there's no, there's no connection, right? You go, you're going off the rails all the time because your audience isn't connecting somehow. And so I think it's really important in today's world, when you think about being the logo, there's all these platforms. The ease of putting a video online is incredibly easy. Uh, the, the question is, is your audience going to be there? And if your audience is there, are they connecting with you? Is there a sense that there's connection? And so that would probably be the major shift I'd make. I think a lot of the underlying principles work. It's just maybe some of the, the channels are uh, have evolved. Yeah. So, you know, you um, so generously said that you would take time, 15-minute sessions uh, with anybody who put the hashtag solutions and shine um, that would want to connect with you and learn more or maybe, you know, help advise them. So thank you for that. And the hashtag is hashtag solutions and shine. But I also want to know in general how people can connect with you if they wanted to reach out um, and, and learn more from you. Yeah, they, the the very easiest way to do that is to uh, to go to my website tomadams.com. I'm on different pla I'm on LinkedIn. I've got a Facebook page. I've got an Instagram page. I've got a Twitter. Um, I'm on the platforms, but the the place where it all shows up is on my website, and then that gives you leads if you want to connect with me in those other ways. But tomadams.com is where everything happens. Yes, and everybody knows Tom, as opposed to like a, a logo right. or. Right. Tom Adams. Yeah. And my logo is just simply the letters Tom Adams. There's no logo. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yes. Well, um, but a fascinating conversation, but I feel like we just scratched. The oh, story. I know. So, you know, it is pretty incredible. Uh, just the, the way your process and the way you take people through that coaching process is very unique because you're really getting to the core root issue that is causing the problems in the business, right? You're getting to the core. And if you can address the core and, um, and help solve that or give, get tools around trying to fix that, then naturally the other things will get fixed. So, um, every, at every episode, we wrap up with the Waste Up Wardrobe Weekly wrap up. And that basically is me asking you, Tom, what is that one takeaway that people that listen to this um, on the replay or have been listening live would take away um, if there's just one thing you'd want to remind them of? So the one major takeaway is get somebody in your life who can tell you the unvarnished truth. <laughs> 
the stuff that you don't want to hear. And so, so many of the people that I work with have nobody in their lives. And I'm not talking about being mean or intense, but just get somebody in your life who tells you what, what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. Great advice. Because I mean, that doesn't really help anybody if you're just kind of coddling somebody into, you know, just staying where they're at. You really, the purpose is to elevate or to help them grow. Right. Right. And, and success, success is delightful, but it also is a challenge. Right. And so success breeds, uh, everybody believes in me. I've got this all figured out. I have it. And if you don't have somebody who stands up to the success and says, but wait, you're missing this. You're not seeing this. Here's this other challenge you're facing. Uh, get somebody in your life who's willing to talk to you in an honest way versus just just sort of worship the ground you walk in because you're successful. Yeah. And how about a tip or two for the audience to kind of start thinking about everything we discussed here, or at least part of it? Yes. So I had this old therapist many years ago, and he was like a, a little Yoda and he was this delightful character and he was kind of quirky, but for some cool reason, I had this this relationship with him for about a year. And he w- I would go into him and say, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And he'd go, Tom, Tom, every wall is a mirror. And he'd just stop and look at me. Every wall is a mirror. And so every time I hit a wall, he'd go, Quit looking out there. Quit looking out there. What's going on in you? Which just really fundamentally shaped my belief about the work I do now, which is every wall you hit is actually a mirror into what's going on in you. And so if you've got a wall in your business, it's a mirror. What's showing up in there? So go looking at that. I love that. Isn't that good? It's oh, so good. It's so like reflecting. Profound. It's like reflecting on what is going on yes. in your life. Oh, I love that. That's Every amazing. wall is a mirror. Every, Every wall, wall is a mirror. mirror. But if you say it like this, it's better. Every yeah. wall. Every wall is, is a, mirror. a mirror. And no. then kind of right. really take that in. Right. Yeah. A tool that we, the audience can use to really start up leveling and thinking about this idea of fixing the things that are, are, are creating problems for them. Yes. Quiet time. <laughs> Yes. And by that, I mean, turn everything off, turn your TV off, turn it to all those things that keep pulling our attention, turn your phone off and go be quiet somewhere, whether that is means go for a walk, but don't walk with your headphones in, uh, go walk in the woods. Or if that's too hard to do, then go find a place where even for five to 10 minutes, you can be quiet. Um, to me, that's one of the best tools you can have. And then related to that is spend money on books. Ah, I love that. So many people I talked to today who are high level leaders quit reading books and all they want is, and and yes, there's a lot of books that have one thing and they're 300 pages, but they got one thing in them. But what we often miss is a book is often somebody's, uh, somebody's way of, of, of actually trying to make sense of a thing that they've been working on struggling with and for like 10 bucks or free a lot of times, if you've got Kindle Unlimited or something, you can get a lifetime of somebody's insights by just reading a book. And yeah. uh, to me, quiet time and reading books are two of the secret sauces in my world that if I didn't have those two, I would not be in good shape. Yeah, I I, 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 I love having a set of books and I was never, I was always a reluctant reader as a child, but it wasn't until I discovered entrepreneurial books, that I started really like, yeah. you know, 12 books a year, like I really getting into it because I feel like it really helps me up level and helps me reflect, which is yes. the word of the day today, reflect. Yes. 
and quiet and the quiet helps you do that. And finally, action item. Yes. Um, I'll give you a couple if, if you want those. So the first one is consider your exit. I will not work with a coaching client until they have disclosed to me how they see what happens when they die. Okay. That's a whole other topic. Uh, I know. (laughs) And I'll give it to you the short form. Um, The question is, if you learned that you had five to 10 years to live, uh, what today would change as a result of that? Mm. What are you going to change in your life? And a lot of times when you haven't considered your death, you've quit living. And so my one of my previous coaches who was a massive influence on, on my life used to say to me, quit running wildly in a direction that you don't want to go. Mm. And mm. so much of us are pulled into success and what that is. And when when you actually stop and go, if I were to leave this building, if I were to exit this planet... Um, what, what do I leave behind? And it's not just always about legacy. It's about what do you really, really want? Um, what do you regret if you were to leave? Like what, what do you got to work on? Are, are you leaving the fact that you didn't have a relationship with your kids, right? You've built this massively cool business, but you, you don't actually have a relationship with your kids or, um, you uh, you have all of this trail of stuff behind you. In AA, one of the one of the major processes in AA is you got to go back and make amends, right? That's a critical component of the AA journey is making amends. And so often, so many of us get to these points and we just keep running wildly in a direction that we don't even know what it is. It's just success, and you keep going to this horizon that you never reach. Right, this horizon always keeps going further out and further out and further out. And to me, one of the big things that you can work on is if I were to leave this this place, what what's left undone? What's left unsaid? What didn't I do that I need really know deep in my heart I needed to do? Who do I need to apologize to, and who do I need to go back and thank for their influence? Yeah. It's a very, very cool way to end the show, but that is amazing. Thank you so much for your insight. And there's so much more to impact. Maybe we can have you back on the show for I would love one to. of these things. I would love to. I'd love to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, no, I'd love. Oh, that would be a cool show. Wouldn't where- it be cool if I came on your show and asked you questions? Yes. 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 I would love that. That, that would, would be, be cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to you about that. All right. So thank you so much, Tom. It oh, was it's been fabulous. delightful. Thank you for letting me just kind of chatter away and uh, asking great questions and feeling like there's a kindred spirit on the uh, the other side of this camera. I love it. I love it. Thank you. And there you have it, Waste Up Wardrobe Nation, uh, episode 135. Now, if that doesn't make you sit down and reflect and take some quiet time to do it in, I don't know what will. Uh, I think for sure that Tom will be back on the show because there's so much that we just basically scratch the surface on, but we will be here again next Thursday at 1130 as per usual Pacific time to bring you a new fresh show that will help you up level your business and entrepreneurial life.